We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, Brad, just like us on this podcast, on the Yin's No Ball podcast, the Steelers continue to defy the odds and against all expectations and against the majority of the football game in the direction it seemed to be headed in. This team is four and two, Brad, and they beat the Los Angeles Rams in week seven to improve to four and two. I actually feel a little bit better about them after this game than I think I did other wins this season that bar is on the floor i recognize that but yeah i did think that there were actually some some good things to draw from this game after coming out of the bye it seemed like there were some positive changes some small positive changes i i'm not gonna act like i think the outlook for the season is radically different but to me it did seem like there are a couple things i wanted to note that it seemed like they went in the right direction with albeit the rams as their opponent and some of the things they do defensively may have dictated some of that stuff yeah, no, I agree. It was definitely not as bad as the Baltimore game and, and sitting there being or the Cleveland game and being like, how in the world did right. the Pittsburgh Steelers win this game? It wasn't that level. Obviously, you know, the Rams had control early and probably could have won that game, kind of gave it away to a degree. But yeah, I don't think it was egregious. And I also I'm with you. I think there were a couple of things in the run game, you know, fourth quarter cardiac Kenny. Uh, I guess that's a thing now. But uh, but yeah, no, I think there were some positives for sure. Yeah, I think if you're power ranking teams, like if most Steelers fans are like honest and take off the blinders for a second, they would say like the Browns and the Ravens are better teams than the Steelers. And even if they look at those games specifically, big, I'm not really sure how the Steelers won this game. And this one, there was like an actual like concerted two offensive drives in the fourth quarter of this game to win games. Like it wasn't fluky that they took the lead at least maybe that they kept it and they got the call from the officials uh, that Kenny Pickett got the first down that, that yeah, sure. You can say that, but there's no guarantee the Rams necessarily would drive at that point to score touchdown. So uh, I'm obviously like, I still think this team is getting away with murder (laughs) basically, but um, this was still productive and a couple of note that went in the right direction for them in this game. A couple really like they got the ball to players on the move on in breaking routes. Like it's just like they don't really use the middle of the field. They don't really get the ball to players on the move. It was less static. It was still static, but it was less static than it had been in the past. And they were actually able to utilize players' talents for that reason. You know, the Rams, there was a lot of this like deep zone coverage that they were kind of content to sit in because they feel like everything is just going to operate on a linear path for the Steelers. And because they broke off some of those tendencies, they were able to get guys running across the formation, get them the ball running across the formation and really horizontally attack the Rams. Something you and I have been calling for all season. That happened on a couple key plays. You think about Deontay Johnson and kind of a reverse pivot route going uh, back toward the middle of the field on that long catch and run that Pickens blind side of the guy on um, you think about Pickens on the slant early in the game. Um, I forget. Uh, it was like maybe the second drive of the game. I forget uh, where they got him on the slant route against, I think it was cover three and he had lots of green grass to run, tr- run to. And so there was a couple of plays like that where I was just like, okay, this is better for sure. Like getting the ball to moving targets in the passing game is, is a welcome sight for my eyes. I will say there's still like a lot of, they love those comebacks. And it's hard not to because Pickens is so good at them. And even Johnson call. And they love the deep curls, the deep comebacks along the sideline. They love that stuff. And I get it. I'm keeping it in for sure. But it was good to see that they at least a little bit tried to attack the middle of the field and had some in-breakers to actually threaten the Rams. with. And you could tell the Rams, by the way they were structured defensively, were a little bit surprised by that approach. And it made enough of a difference in this game. They could have leaned in a lot more, but it made enough of a difference in this game um, to, to matter on the scoreboard. 
Yeah, I mean, Pickens is a good run-after-the-catch guy. Like, we obviously always talk about the contested catch stuff, and and that's kind of what he's known for. He is a good player in space and and can make guys miss or just burn people up the middle. He obviously had that big grab up the seam. Yeah, he was kind of wide open. It was still, I think, a layered throw from Kenny. He kind of had to put it in a window to a degree between a second-level and third-level defender. Um, But, yeah, multiple times where, like like you said, catching it with a head of steam, and it it meant something. It it led to, you know, these explosive chunk plays, like – Getting 20 yards instead of 10, like, means a lot. When you just shorten the amount of times you need to convert another set of first downs and and matriculate down the field, like, it's a hard thing to do, and that's what explosives can help you not have to do, you know, as often. Absolutely, and in this game, Pickett, 5 of 8, 78 yards uh, to the middle of the field in the intermediate kind of area of the field. Um, Well, I think – let me just look here real quick. Yeah. So he had a big completion between the numbers uh, for 31 yards. That was the one to Pickens, I think, uh, that you're referencing um, in the intermediate portion. I'm sorry, he was one of three for 12 yards of the intermediate portion, but in the sub 10 yard range to the middle of the field, which is a lot of those quick inbreakers I'm talking about, both the plays I referenced there, four or five for 70 yards in that area. And some of that come and run after catch, but that's kind of the point. You give your quarterback easy stuff, right? With some of these horizontal breakers, it becomes easier to run away from coverage and you give your quarterback kind of easy completion, right? You didn't have to do much on those plays that we're talking about because the guys are wide open. In fact, the play to Pickens, he gets hammered. They blow the protection and he gets hammered on that play, but it's wide open, right? Because he's moving horizontally like against a vertical coverage set and there's nobody there to pick him up. And so again, some of this stuff is just like, I think that they over have overthought it for years or not thought enough about it at all. I guess, we're talking about Matt Canada like he's real when we say this, I guess. But like I'm talking about just like from a conceptual standpoint, like there is a way to attack a defense by getting these guys moving sideline to sideline a little bit more that they have not really taken advantage of. Very basic. Every Most other teams in the league have already picked up on this. Steelers have not. And so, yes, we're praising them for 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 kindergarten stuff. But like, hey. That's what you do at this point. And again, if you put the ball in the hands of these kinds of playmakers, good things are going to happen for your offense. Obviously, having Deontay Johnson back was clearly huge for this game. I I continue to, and maybe we're getting off track here a little bit, but if you would uh, uh, indulge me a second, Brad, talent-wise, could you put Deontay Johnson and George Pickens up against with almost any duo in the league talent-wise? Maybe not Tyreek Hill and Waddle. Maybe not. Just pure talent wise, like I don't yeah. know Brown and Smith. I, you know, it's like I'm. There would probably be a couple. You know, I guess Debo and Ayuk. I think I would have both them. But like they'd be maybe in the conversation for top five talent. I was about to say, I was about to say those three. I think are probably the top three. And then I think you could make arguments for a bunch of units across the league. And I think yeah, Deontay and, and, and George, especially the way George is playing. I mean, he has mm-hmm. nine explosive receptions over the last three weeks, and he only played in two of those. It's second most in the NFL. And he was on a bye in one of those games, uh, you know, back to back 100 yard games. He's been balling. So, mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, talent wise as well, when you have that caveat too, you know, because we're going to see more and more. Yeah, it's probably a top five duo in the NFL. Especially, right. But especially the talent point is like where I'm saying, because they are not a top five duo in the NFL, I think, currently. But when you talk about ability to do everything, especially as a duo, I like Deontay Johnson's worst enemy is himself, like whether it's running backwards after the catch, dropping the ball making mental mistakes like we saw in this game. I mean, I think George Pickens is going to be very similar. You know, maybe he doesn't have the same – he doesn't have the same route running ability as Deontay Johnson for sure. But, I mean, we're still talking about a guy who is a more than good enough route runner who is just a monster at the catch point, great after the catch. Johnson's great after the catch if he can get out of his own way. Like, the talent to be complete all-around wide receivers for both of them. We've seen Johnson, even as a smaller guy – the contested catch game he has is bonkers. Like he can get up and reel the ball in against anybody. He had an awesome contested catch in this game where a corner was all over his back. Now, Yasir Durant actually played him pretty well in a couple of reps. Um, and the he broke back to the quarterback, boxed him out at the catch point, made a nice catch. Like he doesn't even have the frame that would suggest he'd be good at those things. But again, from a talent perspective, there is very little Deontay Johnson cannot do. It is all about consistency, health, mental mistakes. Like those are the kinds of things that really hold him back. And I think in this game, Pickens too, this game was such a perfect embodiment of like every Steelers wide receiver over the years, basically like you had just unbelievably dumb taunting penalties from both of them. And then the, the crack back block by Pickens, which is just like, dude, 
you cannot do that. And it's not even the first time for him. So like, he absolutely knows it. And what's so funny on the same play, Jalen Warren runs down from the line of scrimmage and like gets in the way of a guy that's trying to chase down. He like runs in front of him, holds up his hands. He's like, you should do it. And I actually, although I have, I have spoken out kind of against a lot of the rule changes in the NFL, like just trying to get the physicality out of the game and police that. And like in ways that just are totally um, ridiculous for players that they're just never going to be able to accommodate the the officials wishes in those ways. This is one where I've actually said the league has it right. And there's no, like most of the time on crackpot, there's no reason to hammer the guy. You can run in front of him and stand there and be just as effective in these situations. And We've seen players do that, and it's worked really well, and that's actually a rule change I am all in favor of uh, that the NFL makes complete sense, and it is big for player safety. So I completely agree with it, and yeah, Pickens just doesn't seem to know the rule or it's not reinforced to him or he doesn't care. I don't know what it is, um, but makes that mistake once again. And so those kinds of mistakes, it's like you're always fighting your ceiling because of the mental stuff with these guys, but talent-wise, they put on a show in this game. It's just so hard to know how to feel about them game to game because there is just all this mental stuff that makes you want to scream all the time. Yeah. The first point is interesting when you talk about the talent, how like they can all, they can both win in pretty much every way, but obviously are very different players. And Deontay continues to separate and, and receive a target share that is up there with any player in the NFL. And then of course, like you said, sometimes runs backwards uh, or has the, the offsetting on sportsman likes with the Kella Witherspoon, uh, you know, like stuff like that. And, we're joking, and obviously, like, the thing is, when you're an offense that struggles to generate first downs, that is still, I want to say, 30th in converting drives into points, whether it's a touchdown or a field goal, putting yourself in first and 15, first and 20, first and 25, you're literally ending, like, you might as well punt right there. Like, some, I mean, I'm obviously being facetious, but, like, mm-hmm. I think the margin for error with those penalties is actually even slimmer with what you're working with. And yeah, those guys need to just like line up, produce, and, and you know, the shenanigans can kind of go by the wayside. But, you know, it's also, like you said, that's been a Pittsburgh uh, Steelers receiver thing for, I don't know, my lifetime that I can remember. It's really outrageous that we're still like, like the brand that they have is just so strong. You think at some point they would have just stumbled into one normal guy and they just can't do it. Like, I mean, you could think, yeah. like, what's the last normal guy that was like good? I mean, I don't even know. Was it? Uh, I mean, Heinz Ward was pretty normal guy. Like, I don't Probably know if you just go that far yeah. back. It might go that far back. I can't think. I mean, Juju certainly yeah. wasn't. AV obviously wasn't. Mark Davis for sure wasn't. Uh, Mike Wallace definitely was not. No. Antonio Holmes definitely was not. <laughs> or Manny Sanders. Like he. I mean, I feel like he's. Oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. In yeah. that category, I think he fits as normal in that in that collection for sure. Yeah. No, I think you're exactly right. Like, I'm trying to think actually. For Emmanuel Sanders, I, I I guess you could make the the argument would be like, was he that good as a stealer? I'm trying to think right. like what his best most productive year as a steal. Obviously, he was good after that. Um, yeah, he had like a 740 yard season as a steal. I don't think anybody saw him becoming like a three time thousand yard receiver when he left the Steelers. Um, but yeah, I guess he would be one. But it is just very funny to think about over the years, like how much they have just applied this stereotype to the max <laughs> over and over and over. I don't over think you even mentioned Martavis Bryant or Chase Claypool, and you just named like eight players. Wait, who'd you mention there? I said, I don't even think you mentioned Martavis Bryant or Chase Claypool, and you just rattled off like eight names. <laughs> I didn't mention Claypool for sure. I did mention Martavis briefly, okay, but okay. he's probably the wildest story of all of them, yeah. just because the range of ceiling to floor was just absolutely probably more massive than the rest. Um Oh, it's it's crazy. Like the the guys they've had over the years. I mean, Randall L is another one that was just pretty normal guy. Like that comes to mind. Um. Anyway, Steelers fans, hopefully you like that little jog down memory lane. Uh. But feel free to drop it in the reviews or the comments on the pod when we post it on social. Um. If you see it there, like anybody you can remember. But it would be cool if somebody like compiled a timeline of like all Steelers receivers, their production, and like kind of like a Wikipedia page, like. This Steelers in this timeline, like this Steelers receiver did all these things, whether on the field, off the field, uh, just all kinds of stuff. They are truly most of it's on the field too. Like for most of these guys, it's yeah. been on the field where it's yeah. just something clearly enigmatic. Um, so crazy. Anyway, I, I say all that to come back to the point that with these two guys, if they can keep it together, stay on the field, it really does lay raise the ceiling for the passing game. And I think we probably didn't talk about the absence of Deontay Johnson enough um, on this podcast in the weeks that he was out. 
probably because it is so hard to know week to week exactly what you're going to get from him and snap to snap exactly what you're going to get from him. So sometimes you think about it emotionally and you're like, he can't be that big of a loss. But then you look at it statistically and you look at the tape and the difference in terms of the way teams can cover when he's on the field too. And you're just like, you're reminded that, oh man, I like Kelvin Austin, but he was playing all these snaps and Allen Robinson was playing all these snaps. Like it's just a massive difference. So I think it's clear the Steelers aren't, quite as deep at wide receivers. We hope they were going into the season. We definitely hope that Austin would probably be a little more complete at this point and that um, Robinson would not be completely cooked. Uh, that doesn't look like we're going to get either of those things. Robinson played 37 snaps in this game, by the way. Calvin Austin played seven. So it is pretty clear that they still view Allen Robinson as a real asset. He run blocked on 21 plays. Uh, it wasn't very good from the first. I'm only actually like 15, 20 minutes into the all 22. So I'll have more thoughts tomorrow when we record. But from what I've seen so far, I don't think it was very good. But that is an interesting thing that we probably, again, aren't, haven't discussed quite enough is just with these two guys healthy. If Pickett can continue to play a little bit better, which he's getting there, you will talk about him in a second. I do think it raises the ceiling for this offense. Like they have two guys that can really create. Now it's just a matter of continuing to get them the ball and the move. Because if you can, I think it's clear what they can do. And I think once you start to, you know, defenses respect those guys, I I think the back shoulder stuff from Kenny to George is going to continue to force teams to really, really respect his ability, at least outside the numbers to throw downfield. And then you're going to get, you know, Pat Frymuth getting more space over the middle once he returns. Like it all is going to snowball if they say, okay, like Kenny can hit on some of these, like you just pointed out, you know, in the intermediate, at least not even deep shots, just 10 to 20 yards downfield. If he can consistently hit on those, then it's going to open these up for other players. And, and I think we did, a, you know, we'll see it more as time goes on. I think in this game, it was just, you know, some good execution. I like the alignments too. They had, you know, both Deontay and Pickens, I think ran seven, eight routes out of the slot. Both were switching sides of the field at times. Like they, they were doing different things. Um, and, and I think there was some success off it. They, they uh, uh, bucked our trend. Maybe they listened to our under center under center rates of running versus passing. Uh, I think they had four pass attempts from under center, which might be the most uh, they've had in a game this year. Uh, wow. So yeah, and they were two for four for twenty five yards. So you know, just just keep it keep it going. <laughs> I was gonna say they had the one that was on the deep comeback to Johnson that I was yep. describing. Yep. That was one uh, where we operated that way. Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to look real quick while you're talking. I'm, I believe, yeah, he's right at the bottom. So if you're talking about 20-plus air yard throws this season, and you've probably seen this, but you guys over at PFF have Kenny Pickett with 7.6% of his attempts as 20-plus air yard throws. That's 31st out of 35 qualifying quarterbacks. The only quarterback's lower than him. C.J. Stroud actually is lower than him percentage-wise this season. Uh, nine of He's 9 of 16, so he's much more accurate, uh, much more higher completion percentage. Um, Joe Burrow, two of 16 this season. That is crazy. Obviously the calf injury has totally altered things there. Uh, we can tell by the way he's playing there, Daniel Jones and Bryce young. So not to compare the players really, cause that's not helpful to me, but that is the one thing when I keep going back to is you're commenting is with these guys, you have to start threatening teams down the field way more. Like this has to be become a pretty vertical attack. In my opinion, I get it. Like Calvin Austin, everybody's expecting to just do that one thing. So it became easier to take away, but you were talking about a back shoulder freak, a contested catch freak in George Pickens. And back shoulder is a thing that's very hard to double. Like you can't always jump all over back shoulder with a second guy. Like you can't really take that away as easily. You have to hope that the completion percentage isn't just through the roof. And look, with most guys, it might not be. But with the Steelers, Pickett and Pickens, it really seems to be that hard to stop right now, like their their connection on that concept. So you hate to just spam something so simple sometimes, but it really does come out that way as an offense. Like you might as well continue to attack that way until a team shows you they can take it away. But even that in the in the vertical shots too, they're still not doing that enough. They had one to Pickens that was right there. Uh, Kenny threw it too far out of bounds, let him out of bounds. Pickens almost made a great catch, uh, but it was there. Um, and I, I really think that they, they need to continue to come back to that. I think Pickens is that good in these situations. His percentage just of, of finishing in these situations is so high that it has to be a part of your offense to give him you know, four or five chances like this a game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we talked about the regression that was coming, positive regression that is for him on contested targets. And over the last two weeks, he's now three or four, you know, hauling in those contest. You know, so it obviously, well, I think you said he was 0 for 8 uh, over a period. And now that's flipping. And then, yeah, for the CJ Stroud point and the deep passing point, like he's a, he's an intermediate assassin. And that still opens up enough in your offense. It doesn't need to always be the bombs downfield. You know, if you're hitting stuff 15 plus yards, you're still going to open things up. The last point, the back shoulder timing on the one down the left sideline, I forget who uh, Pickens was lined up against. May have been a Kello on that one. But Kenny had that ball out like – I think the earliest he's had that throw out on that concept mm-hmm. the entire season, and it was pinpoint accurate. The chemistry was was, was as good as it's looked. Yeah, I, I don't mind spamming that. It's kind of a, at times, like you said, you can't really double it. You can't really do anything, but, and I mean, I guess a corner could jump it if he's expecting it or something like that, but spam it. I don't care. Like you have, you have one of the best receivers at that in the game and, and, and the timing is really, uh, you know, on key right now. Absolutely. So those two guys, Pickens, uh, five catches on eight targets for 107 yards. Uh, Deontay Johnson, five catches on six targets for 79 yards. Neither of them found the end zone. Uh, They did have three rushing touchdowns. They had not had a rushing touchdown um, since I was in college. So something like that. But um, this team, uh, Deontay Johnson's touchdown drought is now at, oh man, what is it? It's been been a year and a half. I don't Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it starts with the two for sure. Yeah, it's 20, 2021, I think. And what, yeah, yeah, he didn't score last year and he play, he's played what, like three games, four games this year? Three games? Yeah, he's played two games this year. Two games, two games. Um, He didn't score last year. His last touchdown was, oh, it was the wild card game against Kansas City. Before that, in the regular season, week 17 against Cleveland, he had nine touchdowns that year. This drought has to end at some point. This is actually ridiculous. <laughs> he had 86 catches last year without a touchdown. Um, so, yeah, th- but again, the biggest thing missing with Deontay Johnson, in my opinion, the past couple years and just in general, he is can be an outstanding vertical threat wide receiver, and they have not really used him that way. Like even his A dot is low, even his – um, and it's gone up. It's up, up this year, obviously, small sample size. Last year, even as second half of the year, it was up. And it's a big reason why they're successful. Like he is a complete wide receiver. They used him for a long time like he was a, a kind of a gimmick wide receiver, like a short underneath uh, intermediate route runner type of receiver, like a Keenan Allen type almost, but not as a field stretcher. He can do it all. And so you have to give him opportunities to do it all. And that's my big if you're going to continue to build in the direction you're building, continue to give these guys vertical shots down the field and scheme up ways to get them open. Uh, because that's a really good group. I uh, also thought, although it was, yep. I thought, although it was brief, I thought Connor Hayward uh, did uh, a pretty nice job in his limited opportunities as a receiver in this game. They kind of needed somebody else to step up with Fryermuth out, and Austin just hasn't shown up at all lately. Robinson is, you know, obviously we've talked about that, but uh, so Hayward, you know, he didn't have many opportunities. It was mostly those two, but I did think he came up with some nice catches in this game. Yeah, the play in the red zone was down the left side of the, of the red zone. He he kind of had to make a guy miss or kind of barrel through a guy to get that first down. Like it was a good effort, um, you know, through contact. It, it does like those H back type dudes that can just you know every once in a while catch a screen or a quick out or um, 
you know, and, and just pick up yards after the catch in key moments and, and high leverage situations. Like it, it goes a long way. He's not going to be a high production, high volume guy, but he, he made a play that he needed to. For sure. And in general, the run game was interesting to me in this game. The Rams, and I don't have numbers on this, perhaps you do, but it seemed like the light box count was really effective. I should say probably more accurately, the light linebacker count. Uh, they love to put one or maybe two guys in the box, but they don't have a lot at the second level. Um, and it just made it so much like without guys kind of triggering and running through from the second level, it allowed them to get up to the second level, secure the first level, get up to the second level much more. Um, honestly, if the backs had played a little better in this game, probably would have been a little bit better in the run game from what I've seen so far. Maybe I'll have some different thoughts on that tomorrow, but you know, Najee uh, left a, a, a good run on the table on the first or second drive of the game. I think it was, um, it was the, the it was the field goal drive Boswell's first field goal. Was that the second drive of the game? I think no, maybe the third. game. Yeah. Oh, third. Okay. Yeah. I can't remember, but anyway, he, it was after a good run. He had a nine year run and then he lost a couple of yards or something like that. Um, and he tried to bounce a run outside that just had absolutely no business going outside. It was right there for him inside. And he just tried to, I actually have no idea what he's talking, what he was thinking there. Like everybody was covered up play side. I'm not really sure what he was doing. Um, but yeah, there, so there was a couple plays like that, but overall, like the blocking was actually much better uh, up front. I felt like Mason Cole showed he had a pulse. Like he's, he's alive, Brad. He, he, he had he a did great something. seal block on that Najee Harris to the left where he got up in front of, I think it was 94, whoever it was. Mm-hmm. It was a great block for Mason Cole. And then yeah. Samalo had a combo and pushed a guy like a linebacker to the left and then got to the second level. Yeah, that was the best Colt block I've seen Mason Cole make maybe maybe this season, certainly on the short list. Yeah, oh, absolutely it was. I mean, he and I do think it was telling, and not, not to continue to like damper things, but I do think it was telling that like, I don't think this was a great Rams front outside of Aaron Donald. Like we could see that kind of in the past game, like um, and in the run game. Uh, but I did think, yeah, it, it was interesting with some of the head up techniques the Rams were using defensively. It seemed like with the zone stuff, it almost made it easier for Cole. Like he could just kind of like, sometimes the head up techniques are harder for zone concepts, but for the center specifically, maybe here it was a little bit easier because he could just kind of pick his, he could just kind of window aside rather than trying to reach a guy that was shaded away from him. Um, so that was that that was pretty telling to me that like I don't know if it was just the matchup, but at least that some of these things can work. Like the players are competent. It's just like can you run to the right surfaces when you're calling some of these plays? And they they did they ran counter at some points in the game. Um, that yeah, there was there was in general like a, lots to be excited about the run game. Like the scheme was a little bit uh, more diverse than I think it's been. Although they, they've kind of like they've said they've had games where it's been. Um, they haven't just spammed inside zone all the time, but that was when, when it was worked last year, later in the year, it was because they ran more concepts. Like they were just more threatening in different ways. And that's what they're going to have to come back to. I do think they can get the run game to like a, a decent level again. Um, it's just the pass game, the consistency of the quarterback, the concepts not being a static. Those are the big things I'm worried about. Can they use play action? Like you mentioned, I think they barely use play action in this game. When they go under center, they almost always play action if they do it, but they hardly ever play action at all. I think they had four play action dropbacks in this game, yep. maybe. And yep. I think he completed two of them. The one was the deep one to uh, Johnson on the comebacker. So, yeah, anyway, I just, those are the things that I, I wonder about with this team. But I do think the run game can get to a better level for them a little bit. There's another nice play I thought. And you mentioned Aaron Donald. And like, obviously, you can, you can win against the other players here, but it was a run where they're in shotgun. Najee is to Kenny's right. And uh, Dan Moore pulls and, and, and probably goes, to the right side of um, Mason Cole. And I think Aaron Donald was probably like a four-eye technique over, uh, you know, or, or in the vicinity of Isaac Sumalo. And those two guys were able to displace him, push him out. And then Dan Moore did a pretty good job getting around, you know, without crossing feet with anybody and, and you know, filling kind of the right side A gap. And Najee probably got, I don't know, 10, 15, eh, not to 15, 10 yards out of it. Uh, but it was, it, it was a nice, like, everyone executed and, and did their job. You know, yeah, there, there were some bright spots in the run game for sure. Uh, like you said, actually, I would say in this game, in other past opportunities, maybe the backs would have made a guy miss and gotten more out of a run. They actually maybe didn't. You know, the one time the O line does their job a decent at a decent clip, uh, the backs probably could have had a couple more forced missed tackles or, or broken some things off. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty funny in this game. I mean, Najee did once he got going downfield, and I will say Najee's play as a receiver. Um, when he caught that ball on the flat after the wad interception, uh, he caught that ball out on the flat and it was second down. He was pretty much dead to rights at the seven. Um, 
and guy hit him, spins away, jumps over guy down to the one down to the you know half yard line or whatever, set up a quarterback sneak basically for a touchdown. Like that was such an incredible individual effort. And that's the kind of things I said a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. I just I like watching Najee Harris play football just because he, you know, the catch and run the other a couple of weeks ago was it against uh I forget what game was. They lost the game, I, I believe. But who, who was it against where he had the like a, he fell down and got back up? Was it the Texans game? Like it was yeah, the Houston, Texans Houston. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Houston game. Like those plays, like he can he does stuff like that. It's just like this guy is all heart and will and physicality. And like he never takes a playoff. Like I love that stuff about him. Um, he's fun to watch in that way because he's such an unbelievable competitor. He's also probably lucky in this game that he didn't get hit with a taunting. <laughs> he was the yeah, first, yes, his first two touches of the game. He was like running up in guys' faces for like there's no reason. Like it's totally uncalled for. Again, the Steelers just can't draft a normal human on offense. But it like they're all their skill guys are crazy. But he asked, I mean, he runs up, he gets in guys' faces. Like he he was clearly fired up to play. He's very lucky he wasn't flagged. I don't recommend it. Like I love that stuff, but the league does not, and it will get you penalized and it'll hurt your team. So you got to be smart and, and you got to be selfless about that kind of stuff. However, I love his fire. Um, I love watching him play. And that play was probably the forgotten play in the game in terms of thinking back on. Like, I think they would have probably, I mean, third down from the seven-yard line, this team and how they've done in the red zone. I think they probably would have gone three and out there and kicked another field goal. Like that was a huge play in the game to give them a chance to score a touchdown from basically the goal line uh, that people will probably forget about. No, you're, you're, you're totally right. Um, I feel like Najee on the normal meter is, is probably about as good as you're going to get. Uh, you know, he, I well, do, I do remember what you're talking about. I think one of the, he's his own he dude, like, but yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But he's, he's not like problematic, I guess in the same ways probably, but he, yeah, he, I, I was surprised, but he was in there talking to I mean, He's not going to back down from anybody, but it wasn't like these guys were even, there was no late hit. Nobody starting anything with him, like nothing like that. He was just like completely unprovoked. He was just like getting very similar to the Deontay Johnson play, which I do think that Deontay Johnson, like that he did to, uh, to, uh, Akella Witherspoon is like, this is my old teammate. Like yes. we're friends. And then he patted him on the back too. It was like clearly a, like, it was just so nothing. It, I hate it. I just like, this is ridiculous. The Pickens thing, at least he was like actually angry. So I can understand like yes. why a ref might react, but the Johnson thing was just ridiculous. Like it was very dumb. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess the last run we should talk about, obviously it would be the touchdown uh, to Jalen Warren. I thought that was a good play again. I mean, it was, you know, just straight up, uh, I think inside zone, but you had the pre-snap motion from, I think Calvin Austin coming to the left where you actually ran in, in line with where the offensive line was flowing. Uh, but the combo from Isaac Somalo, I mean, he th- again, it was 94. I guess 94 had a rough outing. Is that Michael Hoyt for the Rams? I'm not sure. Um, it I don't think be- so. I'll no. look it up, but I don't think it's him. Yeah. Uh, whoever it is. Um, I mean, Isaac th- like tossed him. Like he was like, he didn't fall down, but he was like flailing going away from the play side. And then Somalo got up again and made another block. It was like he made that entire time. I mean, it was a nice run from Warren who kind of wiggled through a small hole and, and, and evaded some contact. But Somalo just was a, was a wrecking ball in that play. It was, it was a great play. That would be Dijon, Dijon oh. Johnson, who I believe yep. played yeah, he played 11 snaps in this game. From Toledo, actually, he did some pretty exciting plays on his college tape. But... He, he did. Isn't he Mr. Irrelevant? I think he may have been Mr. Ooh, Irrelevant. Was he the last pick? Yeah, he, was he the, might have been. Last couple, I think. He was 261. Is that the last one? It's definitely it's usually it's probably it's probably yeah. it's usually around 262 or 260. Yeah, he's yeah. probably up there. Yeah. Oh, by the way, our good friend Akella Witherspoon, 47 PFF grade, <laughs> 28.7 as a tackler, 38 in coverage, two missed tackles. In the passing game, five of seven. He allowed five completions on seven targets for 70 yards. Was also beaten on the long throw to Pickens that uh, Pickens missed out of bounds. Otherwise, he would have been given given up over a hundo and a touchdown. Uh, I think we could just stop talking about him, probably. Like, I don't really think we need him. Like like we said, it's going to come back to the reg- – regression is coming for our boy Akello. And, oh, it, it has arrived. <laughs> Didn't yeah, you text it, me during the not. game? You were like – Akello. I was like, yeah, yeah. I texted, yeah there, were, there were a couple of st- one of the missed tackles. Now I'm blanking when it happened, but I, I chuckled. Um, yeah, yeah. He, he's he's a journeyman for, for a reason. And I think we saw that in this game. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, that, that that's not one we need to regret. Uh, yeah. Our our old friend Kevin Dotson, who actually, uh, you know, unlike Akello, I was like, he's actually a pretty good player. Uh, I know you all had him graded very highly in the run game. Um, that was pretty accurate from what I saw watching live. Y'all had him graded per below average in the in the past game, which I would say also was pretty much what I saw a lot. Yeah. Like he struggled for sure in pass protection. It seemed like in the run game, which has always been kind of his strength. And, and honestly, probably something the Steelers do miss a little bit. I, you can argue whether they should have made the trade or not. I, I'm fine with either way. But um, but yeah, I did think that there was – I know he was high, graded high overall, but I did think the pass protection stuff like showed up quite a few times in this game and and definitely was a concern um, as well there. So, yeah, I mean, this really did come down to like the Steelers being like just more talented than the Rams, yep. which it, we kind of said that, I think, going into the game. That was a big part of this, at least just – We'll just stick offense defense. Like, why is looking at it that way? Steelers offense against Rams defense. Like, the Rams just didn't feel like they had any player other than Donald who could make something happen. And I know people were a little bit like, did the Steelers shut out Donald? You know, he didn't. I mean, he worked Isaac Siamalu over pretty good throughout this game. Like, Siamalu was a speed bump. I've seen him work over better guards, you know, uh, than Siamalu. Even like, you kind of got to set the expectation where it is for CMO. I'm not going to get up in arms about the fact that, yeah, he's going to look like a clown on like six or seven reps that are going to go on the internet this week. Like that's just, that's the way it's going to happen when you play Aaron Donald, like, especially because the Steelers left him like yes. on an Island. They yes. were just like, yes. here, go handle this dude. They would slide protection away from him. And yeah, just multiple times. Him. Yes. <laughs> I was like, yes. you guys are crazy. Like, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, Pickett got hit a couple times. Donald had five pressures in the game. Ball came out quick most of the time in this game. And, um, you know, it was probably good that it did. Uh, I will say Pickett, I don't think he's, he took two sacks in this game, right? Both were very strange plays. I'm actually still, I need to go back because I was speed watching. I got to figure out what the protection issue was on the first sack or Hoke or how do you say his last name? Hoyt. I think it's Hoyt. Yeah. Hoyt. Uh, oh, that's actually yeah. way better than anything I was trying to say. It's H-O-E-C-H-T. So. Yeah, I only learned that after saying it like wildly incorrectly okay. on like a Rams thing and they were like, that's not his name. I was like, all right, cool. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm okay, with you. So, but Hoyt, yeah, he had a sack at the beginning of the game that was, they, they he was unblocked and he, and he sacked Pickett. Um, and they had the protection sliding away. So I think Pickett would just had to change the protection or maybe just throw it hot because the protection wasn't really matched up with what the Rams were running very well. Um, I don't know if he it was something he overlooked pre-snap or not. I'm not really totally sure about that. And then the the other play, Warren ended up matched on him, which I haven't even gotten to that play yet in the film review, I don't think. Um, but he, Hoyt grabbed Pickett by his sleeve. I've never seen that. He grabbed him by his like wrist, by his arm sleeve that he had on, and tackled him by that. That was crazy, <laughs> just unbelievable. Yeah, you don't see that every day. Yeah, it was like random grip strength. It looked for sure like Pickett was going to get away, and then he just literally tackled him by his arm sleeve. It was crazy. But uh, that was one where Warren ended up matched up again. I mean, Hoyt was a defensive tackle in college. Like this guy is a big edge rusher, and Warren matched up with him. Typically, you don't have your backs on on down linemen. Your backs are on backers and beat DBs and pass protection. And if they're not, something went wrong with the with the concept of the whole thing. And so I have to get into that a little bit more and see what that was. Maybe I'll have answers for you if I think of it later in the week. But either way, it didn't seem like there was a – like most of the losses and pass protection in this game other than Ciamalo and Donald were very much backs and protection. Uh, it's so funny. Today I randomly saw from some people who are great too on the internet, people talking about Jalen Warren being great in pass protection. I'm like, I love Jalen Warren. But no, like, yeah. he's like, he will put himself out there. For He'll sure, throw his but, body around. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But he misses a lot of blocks in pass protection. <laughs> Najee's better in that regard, but even this wasn't a great game for him either. So there's things that need to be cleaned up. And when you see the pressure numbers and things like that, I don't think, I, I think Pickett was under pressure. Like, what was it? I'll look real quick, but I, I remember it was I'll just, while, while oh, yeah, under that. pressure 46% of dropbacks. Right, right. A lot of that was not the offensive line's fault. Not standing for them at all. Like I'm just saying, like when you watch the tape, it wasn't a lot of it wasn't them getting beat one on one. 
I'm curious what you think on the second one because I don't really know with, with the Warren, you know, and and the Hoyt grabbing his arms on the first one. I think Kenny just was supposed to get the ball out hot. Yeah. I think it like to me that's it, it, you know I'm not an expert. I don't know what they're calling, but yeah. it looked fairly straightforward to me. Right, and you and maybe he could have changed the protection. I don't know if he yeah or something yeah. like that before the snap. I don't know if there was a tell that he should have that this protection was terrible for what they're running. It sure seemed like it because they didn't wasn't like it was a surprise blitzer like no um. So I think he should have changed it probably pre-snap. The second one, yeah, I, I, I'll have to look at that one and see what was going on there because that was a very random play. All right, what else should we talk about with this offense? Anything else? You said Mason Cole played better. That was good. That was very good. That was very good. Yeah, I mean, no, I think for the most part, like, you know, I'm, not, I'm we're not surprised that Allen Robinson has supplanted Calvin Austin and that Dan Moore started ahead of Broderick Jones. I don't yeah. think either of us are shocked by that. I mean, Moore I thought was okay. Um, I mentioned the, the polling a little bit. I, I got to go watch his past pro reps, maybe specifically again. But, you know, I, I, I do think they took strides. I, th- I think they played better. Yes, this is a bad defense, but this is a defense in Raheem Morris who has thrown a lot at teams like him and Brian Flores are trying to make just magic out of nothing right now. And I think in some of the games so far this season, you know, with, with like no talent to speak of, I, I, they have. Um, and, and I do think Pittsburgh was prepared for this game. Um and it was one of the better, you know, schematic and, and coached games uh, that I've seen them play, you know, on offense this year. I will say this about Allen Robinson because I've maligned him greatly on this podcast and with good reason. But he had one target in this game, one catch for seven yards. And it was a pretty tough combat catch in between two guys to give him a shot at that fourth and short, which they didn't get. But he, they were, the ref said they did. And uh, he put him in position for the refs to mess up. So, you got to give him credit for that. Like it was a really good, but if there's one thing he can probably still do, it's catch the football. Like he, he yes. still has those hands and yes. he still got that big body and it came up clutch on that play. I won't give him that. No, that's a very good point. No, he's as sure handed as any player in the NFL, probably still. Uh, that is a good point. That's a nice little outlet to have for Kenny. Um, yeah, no, we give him, we give him a tough time. He, he's, he's not, you know, <laughs> he's doing, he's doing what he can with what he's got. <laughs> that's a good way to put it yeah i'd say that i do really still get frustrated with the fact that calvin austin can't be like a like can he not be i mean there are definitely times in the all 22 where you can see like physicality is going to throw him off his route like route running is still not like that crisp for him the speed is certainly there like there's still ways to get guys like that the ball and get them involved in an offense if you were more creative as an offense coordinator i don't know that i anticipate that happening he still has a skill set that can be utilized They've really not given him any yak type of touches this season. Um, those are all things I would love to see them do more of. I'm not anticipating that. I'm just throwing it out there. Like there still is a role for guys like that. I understand the limitations. We didn't see Miles Boykin at all. I don't believe in offense in this game. Um, so it seems like it is yeah. going to be Allen Robinson rolling as the as the number three guy. What do you think of Dan Moore's performance? I thought he was okay. Like, I thought he was solid. I mentioned the run blocking, I think, was decent. And then, yeah, I mean, pass blocking. If you're not going up against Aaron Donald, we have the Rams with the lowest pressure rate in the NFL from their edge defenders. So it's a very easy matchup against their edges specifically. I thought he was fine. I feel like he, as he often does, like, he can absorb power. He does get pushed back into Kenny. But I guess technically you could argue, like, he didn't lose the rep. He just, like, is kind of sitting in Kenny's lap. And I remember that happening one time. And I don't think we gave him a pressure, but Kenny took like two shuffles to the right to kind of avoid it, which, you know, you could argue is basically a pseudo pressure. Mm-hmm. He was okay though. Like I, I, it wasn't, it wasn't horrible, but, but again, this is a matchup where you expect him to be decent. And then just last on the Calvin thing. Yeah. Like, I don't think you play Calvin a lot against man coverage teams. Akella Witherspoon was 12 yards off the ball. on like the majority of it's like, this is a game where I think you do use Calvin Austin mm-hmm. over the middle on crossers and let him run forever. Anyway. No, I agree with that completely. That's a good point. Coverage wise. Like I, I, I think that there, again, there are ways to get a player like that involved. You just have to be thinking outside the box and not so siloed and like, the problem with coaches like the Steelers present a lot of the time, I feel like, is that they look at things and say, these are our guys, period. But like right. you have to look at matchups and say, this is our guy this week. This is our concept this week. This is what we want to do this week. And like they don't do enough of those things. So it involves everybody being really siloed into specific roles. Like if this guy goes down, you have to do what he did. And especially on offense, I think this is true. And that's really not how this should work. Like you should be flexible as the coach to build around the skill sets of the player. That way, nobody on your roster goes to waste. Right now, Calvin Austin has a skill set that's going to waste. 
on this roster. And that's why I think it's frustrating to see simply same as Darnell Washington as a skill set that's going to waste on this roster, by the way, still they didn't have a target in this game. So even with prior prior youth out, uh, it's just not happening <laughs> for Darnell Washington. Did he run a route? He had to run a route. Game. I was going to say, I think I was going to say how many routes did he even run? Probably less than five. Uh, Maybe a couple leaks. Six. That six. Yeah. Six. I would imagine. Was, go ahead. Go ahead. I would bet he wasn't eight. in progression on half of those. Yeah, oh, probably, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> He's on the field for eight, eight passing plays in this game. 22 runs. Yeah, that checks out. How? Like, he's basically a tell for when he's on the field. He's been on the field for... I mean, last week, they actually changed up. He was on the field. He ran 17 pass routes last week. In week one, he ran 16, but every other week, he's been under 10. He's been on the field 103 times as a run blocker, 63 times as as a receiver. Like, he's run a route this season. If feels like less than that though i i wonder i don't know all the details of how y'all chart those but like it does feel like he really hasn't even been out in the route concept like hardly at all that's what, what i'm like, saying check i think it's I sorry it was, he, yeah i think it's leak like half of those like we're like he's not yeah. actually like <laughs> yeah yeah i'm not sure that's but that goes to kind of our point back to dan moore i thought he played pretty well uh honestly and he's gonna get knocked back into his quarterback pretty much every time he plays um that's just a given with him. Like you're going to have that. It's kind of like the reverse of what we saw with Broderick Jones. We didn't actually see him get bull rush very much. Um, you have to worry about stuff on his edges. Uh, Moore is just kind of like a loose, slowly type of tackle in the in pass protection. So as far as that goes, uh, he was his typical self. Um, he wasn't exposed. Again, the Rams, you mentioned it, the edge rushers, it's not going to be a big problem one-on-one. We kind of knew that going into the game. So that's why I was like, well, uh, Broderick Jones, I believe, should be starting it's not like Dan Moore's going to get exposed in this game either. Like I didn't think that was the case necessarily. And he did. He was not um, other than Donald. They really don't have a problem. I did not see, and I'm again, I'm not all the way through the tape. I did not see them try and match up Aaron Donald with Dan Moore at all, which I, I thought was crazy. Like man, he's did, put did a you lot of high tech. No, I agree. And I, because he's been playing over left tackles a bunch this year and I don't recall it. I really don't. And maybe it happened one or two times, but I don't, I don't remember it. It was so strange to me that they didn't really seem to be moving around as much as they typically did. Now I'm looking at the at his uh, snap kind of limits. I know he was technically over the tackle pre-snap, but it felt like most of his rushes ended up being over the guard once the ball was snapped. Um, so it's very unusual to me that they didn't do that at all. I'm looking. Let's see. Against says they played him at right end. Says he was outside the tackle. If I'm reading this correctly, I believe twice on the right side. So that would be against Dan Moore. Yeah. Twice he was outside. I don't know if those are runs or not. I'll have to check the tape and, and try and find those. Um, but yeah, that is an interesting one because I really thought they were going to try and take advantage of that matchup specifically just because that is probably the Steelers' worst pass protector. Uh, maybe Mason Cole, but you know I don't know how often that's going to be the matchup for Donald. But yeah, it was just very interesting to me that that was the case. I guess maybe it could have been that he was having success against Ciamalo, so why mess with a good thing? But um yeah, he did not record a sack in this game, but he did have five pressures. Donald was still very good if you watch the tape of this game. The same Miles Garrett thing. I know people are going to be like, oh, Miles Garrett and Aaron Hall, they had no sacks against us. Like, uh, we're, we're going <laughs> to Yeah, right. yeah. And Shut him I down. did think of the, the Garrett matchup, maybe some. Like, I mean, he killed Dan Moore. So I don't know. That was, you know, pretty ridiculous. I thought, um, I will say that in this game, I just thought it was just a matter of getting the ball out. Like, they really let Siamalu fend for himself and, and Donald did pretty well so we'll have to see if that i mean there's not players like that really um they have to worry about going forward but the next couple weeks will be interesting jaguars josh allen is a good player for sure um i think the type of player that will threaten dan Moore a little bit too um and then uh the titans i just don't know what's you know first of all they're clearly sellers it seems like so who's going to be there we'll see um and i don't think it'll be a matchup with um with more as much, but uh, Jeffrey Simmons is one of the best defensive players in the league, I believe. So that'll be a tough matchup for um, the offensive line in general. So I'm still all about start Broderick Jones. I um, I'm all about the youth movement in general here in Pittsburgh, get these young guys on the field, but this game, at least it didn't cost them. It did not. It, yeah. We are on that train. Joey Porter played 53 snaps. Uh, so he's starting to get, and you know, I know you tweeted out earlier and I don't know if you, your eyes aligned with, with uh, the grades for uh, Levi and Pat Pete. I thought Pat Pete was better than, I thought Pat Pete was better than Levi when I watched. I, I didn't even look at the grades yet. 
um, for those two guys specifically. Yeah, yeah. But but Joey Porter, again, three targets, zero receptions. I mean, like, he's good, and I'm glad he played 53 snaps in this game. Um, makes a whole lot of sense to me. And as we said before, even if he ends up being bad, like at least you have the discovery portion of time to find out that he's bad rather than starting two guys you know are bad and like yeah. have nothing in the tank. So, yeah, he could get exposed in a game. That could happen. He could give up 100 yards in coverage next week, you know, uh, to to Ridley or one of these guys. Like that could absolutely happen. It's still a good process. Like there's nothing to be gained from playing Peterson and Wallace. I mean, they have, have been atrocious. Um, unfortunately, you can't given the current state of the roster, I don't think you can bench both of them, which leads us in a very hard place. <laughs> Patrick Peterson could play. I don't know what they're going to do, honestly, because it seems like they've just said, oh, we'll just play Peterson in the nickel. And that is kind of how they'll do this thing. And we could talk more about specifics of the game play tomorrow defensively when I have gotten more, a little bit more of a chance to watch some of the tape on this team defensively. But it really seems like they are going to kind of just roll with Wallace, Peterson, and Porter. And I do think in base, you're probably going to see Wallace replaced. But when they go to nickel, which is going to be most of the game when they play that way, I believe. Uh, it definitely was against the Rams, I guess. But I guess some yeah. other teams, maybe it won't be. But the Rams are always an 11. Um, then I think, yeah, you're going to see Patrick Peterson uh, uh, go to the nickel. And you're going to see Levi Wallace still on the field. I mean, what are the other options unless you – find another nickel. I mean, Shannon Sullivan has not been good in coverage for sure. Like, I don't really know. They got rid of Desmond King. Could you play Elijah Riley? Would you try him? I, I mean, I'd be willing to try anything, but there's just nothing that, like, James Spears not been good when he's had to play in the league before. I'd be willing to try him over Levi Wallace at this point, though. I mean, I just don't have, don't have any idea what the answers are without making a trade outside the organization. I don't think they want to do that, but, geez, you're foreign too. Like, <laughs> If you beat the Jaguars next week, you kind of got to do it. Like you can't just keep yeah. going like this. I think you do. I think you do. I'm not really sure who nickel corner wise is available. Like some of the guys coming into the season, I thought could be like a K1 Williams is out for the year with an injury. Like they're, you know, those type of players off the top of my head. I can't really think of a good nickel option. Um, but Alan's still out there. Not that I think it's a great fit, but I do think yeah, he's, still, Bryce, he's always hurt. Always hurt, but he is a stub when he plays. Special soft spot in my heart as a Bears legend. Um, yeah, he's still out there. I think everyone's been, like waiting for him to sign in Miami or somewhere, you know, some Vic, Vic Fangio tree location, but or, or Philly, you know, because they lost Devontae Maddox, but uh, that has not happened yet, obviously. Interesting, interesting. All right, anything else on this game offensively? Tomorrow we'll talk defense. Anything else offensively we need to touch on? I feel like we covered most of the bases. I'm sure we'll find some other tomorrow. things. Yeah, yeah, we'll roll through the tape a little bit more. The tape came out late for me today. The 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 my source, my tape source, let me down, and Brad still won't let me into PFF Ultimate. So because of that, I just had to wait for tape uh, to come out the the source. And it wasn't out till late afternoon. It threw off my whole day. I'm in a bad mood because of it. Um, but anyway, still grateful for the tape, and we'll keep grinding on that. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll have another uh, some more thoughts on the defense, including why Keanu Benton is suddenly being phased out of the rotation despite clearly being the best defensive tackle that's healthy on this team. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about Joey Porter, what we saw from the tape, um, as well as I think this may have been TJ Watt's worst game as a pass rusher, but best game in other regards that we've seen. <laughs> a very unusual yeah. TJ Watt game. We'll talk about that too. Nick Herbig erupting onto the scene. Lots to cover tomorrow. Lots of good stuff coming. So appreciate y'all. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Yin's No Ball podcast.